Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, as usual, we'll have our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one is keep a journal to become a better leader. And for the rest of the show, we're going to have a good chat with Christina, who's come back from an exciting trip in the US, and we're going to be talking about culture and the leader. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. It's so nice to be back. Yeah, I mean, uh, you didn't take a break. You went off overseas again. I did indeed. So I, I was very fortunate to take a group of um, University of Newcastle students on an innovation exchange uh, to San Francisco, Reno, Nevada and LA. Wow, that was, would have been exciting. So we're going to hear all about that. So you, you're phrasing no around culture and the leader. Yeah. yeah so, so obviously saw some lessons. We did, and so we went. We were very fortunate to go to some uh, amazing organisations, and there were various lessons that came that we came away with from each one. So the first thing um, is that culture is king, and it's very paramount. And if you want to know what the culture of an organisation is, all you need to do is look at the leader. So we were very fortunate to go to um, Tesla factory. We were fortunate to go to Googleplex, and we went to Disney, and we went to Walmart. But one of the things that, that became very obvious throughout our travels was that, for example, some people love working at the Tesla Gigafactory and some people get very much overburdened by it. And mm. if you have a look at, at how Elon Musk works and his work ethic, and it's, you know he says you work 80 to 100 hours a week and you just keep going and you'll achieve what your goal is, never take your eyes off the prize, know what, what it is that you want to achieve. And he's very much focused on energy and how he's going to make the world a better place either through the Tesla vehicle or through slated tiles on roofs that collect solar or batteries, you know, or space travel, whatever it is. Mm, mm. So if you look at, at how he works, that is the expectation um, right. from the people that work at the Digger Factory. Okay, so, so he expects yeah. everybody to work 100 hours a week. So he, he actually doesn't expect everyone to work 100 hours a week, but the feel around the place is that if you are committed to energy and electricity and making the world a better place, you are going to put 110% of your time and your effort and your energy mm. into what it is that you're doing. So you are going to work relentlessly, because not because somebody's cracking a whip over you, but because that's what you want to do and they're the problems that you want to solve and that's the determination that you're going to have. Mm. So I was I was talking to um, to a young guy who works at the Tesla Gigafactory and he does just that. He's there. He basically they've got sleep pods there. They can eat there. They can you know they can basically stay there the whole time. And that's where he finds his joy. Mm. Okay, so he he is really happy to be there all that time to work as hard as he can to for a greater cause that he believes will make the world a better place. Just let tell me when they're selecting people for positions, do they look for that passion? Uh, I think they do, yes. I didn't actually go... So there's a lot of places where I did go into how do you onboard. Tesla wasn't one of the ones um, where where I actually had that discussion. But what happened was I also had a discussion with somebody else who worked there and initially they put the same effort, the same energy in, but then they got married and then they had a child and mm. all of a sudden the circumstances changed and they weren't able to keep up that, that pace. Um, so eventually they, you know, they left... They left the gigafactory and they went and got a job somewhere else. So, but what became obvious as we travelled um, through and we, and we saw what the different businesses were, and if I go back to my experience when I visited Zappos uh, a few years ago, if you look to the leader and have a look at what their work ethic is and have a look at what their expectations are, 
that's very much aligning with the work ethic of the organisation. So Zappos, for example, said, you know, work-life balance, everyone's got to be happy, we just want, you know, we want people to be autonomous and we want people to be whole operation on. So that, that, that is kind of a, a little culture, work ethic um, mm. lesson that we learned. Mm. Something else that, that became very apparent, so we were fortunate to go to Googleplex, uh, Google headquarters, and it's a very big campus and they're building new buildings because they, they just keep outgrowing themselves. But what we noticed were these electric bikes scattered throughout the campus. And I was, I was, you know, I was talking to the gentleman that was taking us around and I said, you know, I've, I've noticed there's lots of bikes. It's not just a few, there's lots of bikes. And he said, yeah, he said, we might have a meeting um, on the other side of campus. And what, what we'll do is, he said, we'll jump on a bike and it makes the travel, you know, we're very eco-friendly, they're all solar powered, um, but we'll jump on a bike and we'll ride to the other side of campus. And I said to him, that's quite remarkable from the people that created Google Hangouts, that you wouldn't just want to call somebody up on a screen because you have the, the capacity and the capability that you actually want to jump on a bike and go and visit and have a human-to-human meeting. He said, the bottom line is we are human beings and we really still crave that human-to-human mm. relationship mm. and that's what we're all about. And this was a guy that was working in the tech department, so he wasn't even in design or, or product or you know product um, development. He was actually in, in a tech department saying that they would much prefer to go and have that face-to-face meeting. So it gives me a lot of hope yeah. um, and, you know, that, that even though we are... What we need to be doing is using technology to make our lives easier, to make things better, to help create a better planet, to, you know, help us with energy consumption and to, and to create spaces in our lives. But technology isn't actually going to take us over unless we allow it. And right mm. now, all signals are that we don't want it to, that we really enjoy our face-to-face contact. That's an excellent point too because uh, I know that uh, in the training world where I'm involved uh, there's a big move to try and put everything online. I still believe that that face-to-face as you do with your workshops is just so important. Yeah, that's right. And it definitely is because there's things, there's an energy that happens that won't happen anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. the other, the other place where, uh, where we noticed um, or where user X became absolutely paramount um, was at Disneyland. So we, we took, the, took the students for a bit of um, research to Disneyland for a day uh, before we went to Walt Disney Imagineering, which is where they create everything around Disney gets created at Walt Disney Imagineering. So, you know, from the rides to the cruise ships yeah, to the yeah. experience at a park, everything happens there. They are so onto user experience that that is why Disneyland is in in you know their 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 statement their purpose statement the happiest place on earth because mm. they consider every aspect of the customer journey. So there's lines. You know, you can, if you're there on a on a very busy day, you might wait 90 minutes to get on one of the more famous rides at Disneyland. They tell you that it's a 90 minute wait, so your expectation is immediately set. They exaggerate the waiting time, so it's not that they under exaggerate so that they make you wait there so that you go on the on the ride. They'll say it's a 90-minute wait and it might only take you 70 minutes so that by the time you get there in 70 minutes, you're overjoyed because you've saved yourself 20 minutes. Mm. And, and of course, course, Disneyland's always been like that. I mean, back in the 80s, they they were featured as one of the... uh, uh, best companies because they've got all that underland, underground system where they can pop people up very quickly and it's all systemised. Yeah, yeah, and you know, the, so A, the systemisation where they were way ahead of their time, but everything is from the consumer's perspective. Mm, you know, mm. look, look up fast pass. They've got a way that you can, you can um, dodge a line. If you have a child that's sick, 
you apply for a free pass that gets you into everything immediately. So they're very much wow. um, a community community based organisation. Yeah, Every okay. so you, they've got a Disneyland app that you can play a game on while you're waiting in line to get to the <laughs> to get to the ride that you want. You know, so there's yeah. there's all these different aspects of user experience from the food that you eat to the way people serve you to the way everybody's dressed around the organisation. It's all about how do you as an experienced experience person have a, the most wonderful time that we can possibly give you at Disneyland. Great. How, how did the uh, students uh, feel about the trip? Um, they were quite excited. I believe it was um, they learnt some lessons or no, not I believe, I know they learnt some lessons that, that otherwise wouldn't have become obvious to them. Um, I think when you actually experience something firsthand, it's very different to watching a video or yeah. um, or reading about it. You know, re- just simply reading about the culture of an organisation because you can read about these things, but when you see them firsthand and you actually experience pe- and you talk to people that are working within the organisations, that's quite a different thing. Uh, one of the places that we went to that that is also quite rare, rare to get into is Walmart Distribution Centre. So this mm. is in the Tahoe Arena. Reno Industrial Centre, which has an amazing history um, itself. That's where the Tesla Gigafactory is as well. Uh, and so many things about the, the Walmart Centre. They were they had some rather bad press a little while ago, and they've been working really hard to, to change the way they are perceived and the way that they behave within the organisation since then. So one of the things that we did notice was that most of the people that, that had worked there had been there for, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. They'd been there quite a long time. So uh, that, that in itself speaks volumes about the culture of the mm. organisation. Mm. Um, what the students found really um, wonderful about that was the fact that Walmart promotes from within. So I think they're very much used to working in companies at the moment um, and, and for organisations, you know, to put themselves through uni where everybody's uh, advertising externally for, for um, management positions, etc. These guys were noticing how Walmart were actually rewarding the people within their organisation um, and creating this loyalty factor. So that was that was one thing, particularly around the culture. Yeah. The quality control that, um, that Walmart show, even at the distribution centre, is uh, amazing. Uh, and how they test um, the fruit, for example, where they store, uh, store the cold goods. I mean, I was standing in the ice cream freezer and it was minus 30 degrees Celsius. It was cold, oh. you know. So, yeah, just to have that experience in itself is quite remarkable. Do they, they, have, a, they, do they use these, a lot of technology in their area? Uh, they use technology throughout the whole organisation and the more technology that comes in, the more they embrace it mm-hmm. uh, because it makes it makes mistakes less likely to happen. It makes the lives of the workers healthier. Um, it keeps them safer. So there, there's technology at every aspect. You know, the way they use barcodes to ensure that a collector picks up the right things from the shelf, that the wrong things can't get stored on the wrong shelves, that the right things get wrapped up and put into the correct truck, that temperatures are controlled. Technology is absolutely, um, you know, right mm. for kind of a, a better word within a within a, um, a, a food organisation storage factory. Um, it, it's throughout the organisation and they're not scared of it. They embrace it, they use it in order to create safety and to create less mistakes, which means that there's less stress. The other thing I really liked culture-wise um, was if you, if in one of your positions, it's noted because there's all these quality controls all the time, that you're particularly making a lot of mistakes, they don't sack you. They have somebody spend an extra 10 hours, paid hours with you, training you to help you get over whatever mistake it is that you're making so that you don't make the mistake again. And then Mm. if you keep making that mistake, they'll invest more time in you because they believe that it's better to invest 
more time in training somebody that's already part of the organisation than it is to go out and recruit someone else. So mm. that in itself has that really nice safety factor of it's okay to fail, and if you fail, we'll help you. You know, it's not it's not if you fail and you're you make out. a mistake, yeah, you're out. It's, <laughs> it's we will help. Our whole culture is that we want to keep people loyal to us, and we want to keep people within the organisation. Mm. Um, and however we need to help you do that is how we'll do it. So. You know, it's, when you pick up all these little nuances when you're there, um, and you can believe the things that you are that you are reading and that you that are related to you, um, I think it makes a lot of difference. And to have first-hand conversations with people is incredible learning experience for students. And I think uh, the, the point that you've ra- raised a few times there is that you were able to chat to the workers not just the management, so you were able to see that you know what they were saying really does happen. Yeah, that's right. You know, and look, let's face it, every organisation isn't 100% happy 100% of the time. Of um, yeah, we can work towards that. That would be a really nice, you know, really nice scenario. But, but overall, when you um, have the respect of the people that work with you, it's very evident. When you have the passion for the cause of the purpose of the organisation, it's very evident. Yeah. And it's very evident in turnover rates, you know, in, in the, the number of staff that walk, walk through your doors. Mm, great. Well, thanks very much for your time, and uh, uh, I wish I'd been with you on that trip. It sounds exciting. Uh, we'll have a chat great. with you again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with her trip from America, and, yeah, looking at the culture and how important uh, that culture is. Um, and we know those companies that she's mentioned have always had that important culture. So it's time for our Harvard Business Review tip. And this particular one is an interesting one because it fits in with uh, culture and the leader we've just been talking about. This one is keep a journal to become a better leader. The best leaders take time to reflect. One of the easiest ways to do this is to keep a journal. Set aside some time each day, preferably the same time each day, and find a quiet space where you won't be interrupted. Keep that time carefully guarded on your calendar as an appointment with yourself. Then write whatever comes into your mind. A journal's blank page invites you to hold an honest conversation with yourself. Give yourself permission to follow your stream of consciousness without judging, censoring or trying to direct where your thoughts might take you. And don't share your journal with anyone else. Your reflections are yours. They bring you what all the world experts, advisors and executive coaches combined can't offer you. Your own unique perspective. Some interesting points there. And yes, very very interesting to keep a journal and uh, reflect back. I was looking back over my journal over the the holiday break and going back nearly 10, 20 years. 20 years I was going back. Some interesting points I wrote 20 years ago. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've uh, been talking with Christina about her uh, trip to some of those American companies, Tesla, Google, Disney, Imagineering, Walmart, and the culture that is there in those organisations. In a moment, Sarah Farley-Adams will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to visit the world of tax with Chartered Accountant Tony Vidray. We'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Lao Tzu once said, 
Time is a created thing. To say I don't have time is like saying I don't want to. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.